Are you still trying to reinvent the wheel? Tens of thousands of professionals have attempted to solve the same challenges you're dealing with right now. Some of them failed, some of them succeeded. But very few of them succeeded and captured their proven approach to share it with the world. Mike Kunkel is one of these very few. He has been an enabler for over 30 years and has captured his proven approach in an extremely successful framework called the Building Blocks of Sales Enablement. Mike and I have now translated the Building Blocks of Sales Enablement framework into a learning experience that helps a new generation of enablement teams fast-track their journey to sales enablement mastery. Our combination of group coaching sessions, actionable video lessons, materials, resources, networking opportunities and templates makes mastering sales enablement best practices faster and easier than it has ever been before. So if you want to stop reinventing the wheel, maximize business impact and fast-track your career, consider joining a growing community of enablers at the Building Blocks of Sales Enablement Learning Experience. To learn more, visit goffwd.com slash blocks. That's g-o-f-f-w-d.com slash b-l-o-c-k-s. So that is the challenge actually for marketers and salespeople. They feel like they source one tool and they are done. Unfortunately, by he's saying this, the software is kind of like a living organism. <laughs> beast. Yeah, it's a beast. And uh, they are fed with a different code. So they are fed with a different food. So they are growing. If they are growing, then how we engage with them also need to change. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. With endless logos to choose from, sourcing sales tech can be a challenge even for the savviest buyers. It gets even harder if you're responsible for sales and marketing technology. Our guest in this week's episode is a marketer that has driven sales enablement for organizations around the globe. In our conversation, she breaks down the best practice for making purchase decisions, how sales and marketing technologies overlap, how to address sales tech needs as a marketer, and more. Please welcome best-selling author, podcaster, and our go-to expert for sales and marketing alignment, Pam Dittner. Pam, welcome back to the State of Sales Enablement. Oh my God, thank you so much for inviting me back. I'm so glad I didn't screw up last time. So I'm back again. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I could not not invite you back again because last time I've learned so much and you're pretty much my go-to person when it comes to collaboration between marketing and sales enablement, which I think is a still really hot topic considering how many marketing departments are involved in that space. So thank you so much for making the time. And you're now in uh, North Carolina, which makes the time zones even more awkward, but we made it happen. Yeah, exactly. It's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But you know what? It's good. It's always good talking to you. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Long-term listeners who might have caught our episode from last year, which was, by the way, one of the first episodes of the State of Sales Enablement. So again, thank you for believing in me and taking the risk of appearing on this little known podcast back then. I think you are fantastic. <laughs> thank you. But for those people that are not familiar with your name, who is Pam Dittner? Honestly, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> what I want to do when I grow up, who am I? Well, 
at this point, I'm a B2B marketing consultant and I focus on helping the marketing team to provide a contribution to the sales through account-based marketing, sales enablement, and content marketing. So that's what I do day in and day out is B2B marketing. That's right. And you are also in your spare time producing lots of content, which I recommend anybody following, including three fantastic books. I think two of which are really relevant to the whole sales enablement and also our, our conversation today, which is the modern AI marketer and the other book, Effective Sales Enablement. But what I want to talk to you about today specifically is the technology side of things, yeah. which I know you're really passionate about and are also really knowledgeable about. Pam, tell me, with so many technologies out there claiming to really help sales teams, it can oftentimes be really overwhelming, especially if marketing teams are attempting to support sales teams. It might be hard for them to really assess what really adds value. How should we go about addressing sales technologies or the sales tech stack? That's actually a very great question. And you are totally right. There are many technology out there and there are different platforms and they all have a different purposes and they serve different needs. If you are just looking at the technology and then, oh my God, and you have to pick a technology, that can be very overwhelming. What I usually tell my clients is start with the baby step. There are two platforms that marketing and sales team must have in the current stage. On the marketing side, you need to have a marketing automation tool, Eloqua, HubSpot, whatever. And then on the sales side is the CIM. You need to actually have customer relationship management software. Obviously, the most famous one is the Salesforce. And like HubSpot, they also have the sales enablement platform and that used by the sales team. To me, there are two tools, obviously, on the marketing side and the sales time, you definitely need, like I said, marketing automation tool for the marketing and the CIM actually for the sales side. So that's kind of down. Get that down first and then make sure that the marketing automation tool and the CIM, they talk to each other. They are connected. So the data can flow freely from marketing automation tool to CIM. For example, if you want to transfer the marketing qualified leads to sales qualified leads. You don't have to do a manual transfer that you need to make sure that you can move the data from one point to another. Once you have this basic tool, then the rest of it, like what are the tools that need to actually help the sales team? It depends on how sales engage with the prospects with existing customers. So try to understand what the process is and understand the process and create the workflow in terms of how things move, then you sit back and look at that process and then determine, okay, what tools can we use to support this process? Or these are step two, step three, step four that salespeople needs to go through. Can we combine them and automate that process? So the way I to determine what kind of sales tools that you will need. Look at the sales engagement process. How do they engage with the prospect? How do they quantify, say, the prospect? How do they engage with existing customers? And then think it through and document the process, then sit back and see, okay, this is the process as is. If we actually have to source the platform to tailor this process, can this process work or do we need to combine certain steps to tailor to that platform? 
And I don't have an answer for that. You have to kind of think it through. And every single company is different. So to minimize that sense of overwhelmingness, the best way is to look at the process first and then think through that, okay, this is very manual process. What can I do to automate it? And if I do want to automate, what are the tools I can source? Then you start doing research. So if you start doing research based on the process you already kind of set up, it will eliminate a lot of platforms that you don't have to think through. So I usually, and the focus on kind of like one problem at a time and taking a baby step. That's usually what I tell my clients to do. But I think you touched on something really important here, which is to put the process first. Yeah. And see how technology can add value there. I think a lot of organizations still make the mistake of tackling technology purchases the other way around. Yes, yes. It's kind of like you never go running and then you purchase a treadmill and you think, okay, now I'm going to go running every day. Yeah. You still have to use it. You still have to go to the habit. You still have to have a process to begin with, which is the habit of running. And then you get value out of the treadmill. And I think it's the same for a lot of sales and marketing organizations that purchase technology that they think will change their habits. But in a matter of fact, it typically doesn't work that way. And what then ends up happening is the same thing that would typically happen with a treadmill, which is it ends up in the corner of the garage. Yeah. You're not using it. And then suddenly somebody new joins the company in charge of the respective department, marketing or sales, and they look at the tech stack and they ask the question, why did we actually purchase that? Why did we spend tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars on this platform and nobody's using it? I see that still happening a lot. And I totally agree with your point that the process has to be there first. Technology that needs to be applied to create efficiencies. Yes. You brought up a very good point that purchasing the technology, but the users, especially sales professionals, are not using it. And that tend to be actually a lot of marketing departments or even sales enablement divisions challenge. And there's one solution for that. One, and there are many actually. One solution is you make sure whatever platform that you use is fully integrated into the CIM tool. That's just assume that your salespeople only use CIM tool. Okay. If they, this one tool they use is CIM, then whatever tools that you add on top of it for salespeople to use, just make sure that's fully integrated into a CIM. For example, they can log into a CIM to see, say, somebody's LinkedIn profile. So that's connected. Or they can log into a CIM to see that uh, another tool that you use to route the leads to a different salespeople, that routing tool is connected to CIM. So people who log into a CIM, they can immediately see what leads are routed to them. So they don't have to log into another tool to actually use it. So in terms of the sales, when you build a sales stack, specifically a sales technology stack, you have to think through one of the biggest requirements is integration. Can that platform be embedded into the CIM tool that they can actually see the information or they can access it? So that's another way to ensure that you purchase the treadmill and that salespeople will run on it. And the not put at the corner of the garage is to make sure that's embedded into the system. That's right. And I think 
CSL Insight 2019, I can't think of the actual percentage point, but one of the four key insights from that survey was that if the CRM acts as a central data hub, yeah. organizations that actually treat the CRM that way outperform others in terms of win rates and quota attainment. So it's actually a fact. So I love that. I 100% agree with you. One more thing. By the way, I'm not affiliated with this specific tool called SAMrush. So I actually use the SAMrush, which is the SEO and the keyword search tools. And I remember the salespeople tried to onboard me. They tried to do a sales enablement and tried to onboard me and how to use the tool. So I log into a Zoom. They immediately actually have another platform and that do the recording. Right. I think it's cross AI. I'm not sure. But when I log into a Zoom, and when Ben, the, my contact lock into a Zoom, there is a sales tools already going at the same time, like recording our conversation and analyzing our conversation using artificial intelligence to see that, hey, how our conversation is going, what kind of issues I run into. And that's assumed that I have not purchased the pro version of it. They can analyze in terms of what kind of questions I ask. And they can tailor the next communications with me to address that issue, to kind of encourage me or gently nudge me to look into some of the features in the pro version. Interesting. So I thought that was kind of interesting that we log into a Zoom call, a kind of platform immediately start recording. And I'm pretty sure that they are analyzing in terms of what I was discussing with Ben and then determine, all right, what can we do with the information that Pam just shared with us? So you mentioned sales tech, you mentioned marketing tech. In terms of those two kind of categories, are these two overlapping in terms of the technology needs? And what are the duplications and gaps you would typically see? Yeah, they do. There's a lot of overlapping nowadays between the sales tech and also MarTech. The reasons are because they are all SaaS-based platform. And many SaaS-based platforms, in order for them to get additional subscription fee from us, they continuously add new features. So HubSpot for longest time is the marketing automation tool, but they also have a sales enablement platform. So they're adding additional features so they can tailor that to a sales professional. And Salesforce, same thing. They also have a marketing cloud. And Adobe's marketing products also have a sales enablement components associated with it. So all the platform, they are, because they are written by codes and it's a software. So you can always write additional codes. You can always add additional features. So over a period of time, many of the platform, especially enterprise version of it, they tend to have a whole lot more features associated with it that you can leverage. And then all of a sudden, or initially, you source a specific platform to do certain things. And then you will notice that, oh, my God, the existing marketing cloud that you use, they add additional feature, it can actually encompass that. So that is the challenge, actually, for marketers and salespeople. They feel like they source one tool and they are done. Unfortunately, by he's saying this, the software is kind of like a living organism. <laughs> beast. Yeah, it's a beast. And the, they are fed with a different code. So they are fed with a different food. So they are growing. If they are growing, then how we engage with them also need to change. It's kind of like our kids. 
when they are baby, they are infant, or they are toddlers, or even they are teenagers, the way we engage with them needs to be a little bit different. The way we communicate with them needs to be different. The same thing. And unfortunately, that's a strangest analogy I'm going to use. That actually applies to software sourcing as well and how you are using your tool. Because each company tried to increase their features, trying to increase their offering. So there's overlapping. You can see a lot of overlapping between the platforms. And that creates a huge problem, not just for the marketing operations and also sales operation, even sales enablement teams, because you have to constantly look into the different tools and how they should play together and how they should flow data. And if this, say, marketing automation tool that you are use, they actually have additional feature they announce. If that's the case, do you need to eliminate some other platform that's doing the same thing? That's right. You constantly have to evaluate your MarTag literally almost every couple of years. There's no shortcut, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it sounds to me like it's the evaluation process and the determination whether something adds value in the process is similar to assessing what sort of skill sets add value within a company and whether there's duplication across teams. In the core, yeah. You have to look at your organizational structure. You want to make sure that everybody have very clear roles and responsibility and then try to minimize the duplication. And over a period of time, just like you said, you hit the court. For example, events. In the past, people do events, people do events. But nowadays, when you do event, there's a pre-event, which is you have to promote it using social media platforms. And there's a post-event, you probably have to use email to reach out to the potential leads. And now that become part of the event elements. But in the past, 20 years ago, when you do event, you do events. Once event was done, you are done. Now it's never done. That's right. That's the thing I think everybody is struggling with. It's like marketing, they want to check something off and say, this is done, I want to move on to another task. What I have come to realize is marketing is never done. <laughs> it's always, yes, something that needs to be done. Ah, oh, God. Yeah, it's both a good thing and a bad thing, right? <laughs> exactly. And the good thing is hashtag job security. And the bad thing is like, can I just check that off? Are we there yet? Can we just check it off? That's right. And you never stop learning either. That's another thing. I do agree with you. In the modern marketing era, you have to constantly, you have to learn and you have to stay with the technology. So if I'm supporting sales as a marketer, what is the starting point to really address technology needs? You mentioned there's some overlap. There might be some platforms that are more sales focused, like the CRM. There's some platforms that are more marketing focused, like the marketing automation platform. But if I'm sitting in marketing, where do I start if I wanted to support sales? That's a great point. I love that question. And the way I recommend anybody doing is if you, that's just said, like you being assigned a task, okay? And you are going to start supporting salespeople tomorrow, okay? It's brand new. You have never done it before. The first step is actually go talk to probably five to six salespeople. That would be the number one step because you don't know how you're going to support them. You don't know what they need. You don't know what they want you to do. And the salespeople tend to be very finicky. They do things a certain way. You need to understand how they do things. And the best way to do that is go talk to them directly or shadow them for a day and just try to understand. The way I see it is talk to them directly, right? Have a list of questions and then ask them, okay, how can I help you? 
And then when you ask that, when you open like floodgate, you're going to get a laundry list of the things. I need to do this. And you need to do that. I need content. You know, I I have a presentation tomorrow. Can you do that for me? Once you start asking them, they're going to give you a list of things. So it's okay. You got a list. It's on your hand. Now, the next thing you have to do is you have to prioritize. You have to understand what you do, what's your job, and what's your responsibility. Like, for example, if you are email marketers or you are doing demand gen, you have to understand your job is demand gen and that they gave you a laundry list of things. You cannot do everything. You can't. Like, for example, they say, oh, you know, I need somebody to support me on events. Well, you cannot do that. Well, cross that out or give that to someone else or put that as a parking lot. Then you look at the list of things that you can support them. Okay. Once you create that list, that's a step number two. Then you have to think through, okay, what is the process I need to set up to support that? If they said, I need somebody to actually create email marketing campaign for me. Okay. That's your specialty. Now you have a process already, right? To run the email marketing campaign on a regular basis. Okay. Then you have to think about that process cannot apply to the sales professional, the sales team that you are supporting. So all of a sudden, that's come back to the, the third step. It's coming back to the things I say earlier. What is the process? What is your workflow? Once you build a workflow and you say, okay, this is how I do to do marketing campaigns, but I need to modify the process to support the sales team because I have to give this templates to them. They are the one need to send out. I'm not the one going to send out for them. So you have to think about what that process is. And then you have to think about what are some. Then once you have a process, the next step, it's like, okay, what kind of tools can I use to make that happen? Got it. Got it. So it's all about identifying core competency and then building on that and transferring that skill set to supporting the sales team. You summarize in less than 10 words that I said in the past, like <laughs> five minutes. Amazing, amazing. But another thing that's important, Felix, I have to say is once you set up the process, even before you set up a process, there's one step I kind of skip is you have to review with the sales team in terms of what are the things you would do for them. So that's assume you create a list of a priority before you even create a process flow. So I skipped one process, I apologize. You go communicate with them in advance and say, these are the things that will support you. But these are the things I will do for the next six months. Are you okay with it? Get the buying first and then you work on the process. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's, that's a very important point that you're pointing out there, which is that documentation that really creates that alignment and makes it really clear what you do and do not do. Because I think the danger, it's a good thing, but if sales actually trust you enough to ask for your help and want your involvement, but I think it's also, as you said, really important to draw the line so that you do not neglect your day job, which is ultimately whatever it might be, demand gen or whatever. Yeah, exactly. If your job is a full-time supporting sales, that's a different story. But I also encounter a majority of the marketing organizing gents, in addition to their day jobs, they are supporting sales on top of the, on top of the jobs. Yeah. Oh, but I think even as a full-time sales enabler, it's still really important to draw the line around things that you do and do not do because otherwise you fall into the trap of random acts of enablement where you just, you end up doing sales people's job. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you take care of anything that lands on your desk at any given point in time, which really stops you from being strategic about it. So I do think, yeah, it's important in each case, but particularly if you have another day job like marketing do. I know. I 100% agree. Yeah. 
So the other thing that really comes to mind when it comes to the collaboration between sales and marketing is the ABM side of things, so account-based marketing. Can you talk us through some account-based marketing-specific tech and how those tools can be used to collaborate between sales and marketing? Yeah, account-based marketing in terms of what kind of tools to use. There's a lot of companies, if you will, and they will say they are account-based marketing platform. But a lot of time they do a specific functionality. Like there are some tools, they will say they do ABM, but the tool itself is trying to analyze the customers who come to your website. And they will evaluate the number of content they download and then evaluate the intent of the prospect. And they call that ABM. And then there are platforms that literally will do campaigns for you, but very targeted campaigns. And they have a specific feature that you can personalize campaigns. And then you can send the email to very specific accounts. And then they are also other tools. They call themselves ABM as well in terms of that they will do media buy in terms of not having agency buying, the, uh, doing the banner ads or any kind of media buy. And they will do a very targeted media buys for you for specific accounts. They all call themselves ABM. So when you are looking into an ABM tools, you have to think through your strategy and your tactics. Are you doing ABM a set of a customer events that can be ABMs? Oh, by the way, there's another ABM I know, which is a gifting platforms. And some of the tools can actually crawl your prospects, social media profiles. And then using artificial intelligence to make a recommendation, <laughs> what kind of a gift that you can personalize and send it to them. Ah, very nice. And they call themselves ABM too. So many ABM tools out there and they serve different purposes. So before you pick an ABM platform, you have to think through what kind of ABM marketing efforts that you are doing. Are you doing through customer events? Are you doing through kind of like you want to send something to them, so to wow them? So that can be a, a way to open a conversation for your salespeople. Or are you kind of want to do a pay media effort, doing kind of like do a very targeted pay media effort to a specific accounts and using, say, a programmatic ads? So the different marketing tactics requires different ABM efforts and the tools to support it. So I hate saying this, there's no one ABM platform that will serve every ABM's needs. So it comes back what kind of ABM outreach you are doing. And then again, I hate saying this, understand what you want to do, identify the process, then you can determine what tools to use. So I know this is kind of like a long way to answer the very short question, but I don't want to shorten it and say, oh yeah, you know what? In this situation, you use that tool. In that situation, you use that tool. Unfortunately, every company is a little different. Yeah, absolutely. Any buyers and any buyer segment is different too, right? I agree. So what might work with some buyers who are just very rational and very analytical, it might be enough to expose them to a certain product and they understand it and they're sold. They are fine. We're like, okay, yeah, the content you share with me, okay, I cannot, you know, immediately they say, I'm interested, I want to talk to your salespeople. Yeah, that's right. But some buyers are a little bit like, mm, no, you need to give me more information. Yeah. They need that gift. They need a gift. 
personalized gifting. <laughs> I should have researched those gifting platforms because it's my wife's birthday today. So uh, I could have needed that about a week ago <laughs> when I was shopping. <laughs> Can you imagine? So I'm always curious if somebody crawled my social media profile. Yeah. What kind of gifting recommendation will the algorithm or artificial intelligence would come up with? <laughs> well, considering the amount of content you put out, they will probably recommend a holiday. <laughs> I'll take that. Awesome. Pam, thank you so much for joining today. Learned a whole heap as always. If anybody wants to connect with you, learn more about the work that you do as a marketing consultant or read any of your books, where can they find you? Yeah, the books, they are all on Amazon.com and any other major bookstores. You can just look at type Pam Dittner, D-I-D-N-E-R. You should be able to find the books. And the third book is an ebook, and it's only on Amazon.com if you are interested. It's very cheap, $5.99. And if you have any questions about content marketing, ABM, sales enablement, reach out to me anytime. You can find me, hello at PamDinner.com. Send me a quick email. Or you can also contact me through my website, pamduna.com. And I have plenty of content, a blog, podcast, a video, and that that you can check out. And like I said, any questions, just reach out anytime. Thank you so much, Pam. Thanks a lot. So good talking to you again. You look great. <laughs> Thank you. See you later. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Next time on The State of Sales Enablement... I think the buyer acumen is typically the biggest gap, especially if you think about the fact that so many businesses consider themselves customer-centric. I can probably count on one hand the amount of organizations that do that really well that I've come across over the last three years. Considering the recent budget cuts in the enablement space, it is no surprise that in a recent LinkedIn poll, 56% of enablers stated that they plan to increase their ability to create business impact in 2023. I've teamed up with sales enablement legend Mike Kunkel to create a webinar that outlines proven approaches to maximizing enablement's business impact. To watch the seven steps to maximizing enablement's business impact, visit goffwd.com impact. That's goffwd.com slash I-M-P-A-C-T.